Beautiful. Beautiful. You may be seated. Awesome. I want to, first of all, um, just say thank you to Pastor Ray, who uh, graciously invited me to share with all of you men um, a message that was on his heart and they've been praying for. And um, I'm, just, I'm just glad to do that. I'm glad to, to, uh, to just be here standing up in, in your presence. Um, as you heard Pastor Ray say, I was, um, uh, you know, got COVID, was uh, two weeks in the hospital. Um, there were a couple of times that I thought my journey was over, but God graciously um, let me uh, continue ministry and uh, doing what I love, and that is teaching his word. And so I am so grateful for that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, amen. I am... Um, I'm still on a little bit of oxygen, so I will uh, uh, move slow uh, as to what uh, maybe you might, uh, if, you, if you heard me before, I uh, tend to talk too fast, so this has slowed me down a little bit, so you'll be able to track with me a lot easier. Is that cool? But we're still going to have fun, aren't we? Let's pray. Father, we want to say, first of all, thank you for bringing us to this place. I pray right now that your spirit would descend on all of us men, and Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that your strength would be made perfect in my weakness, and God, that you would speak to us as men, and Lord, that we would rise to the occasion. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Well, guys, I don't know about you, but I hate to walk into a movie after it's already started. Because you know that the beginning of the movie always has essential information, right? I mean, it's, it's true. Well, today, I, I don't want us to miss the background. I know that Joe kind of gave us a little bit of that. And so I'm going to give you another little a skinny part of the background of what's taking place in our passage. I'll ask you to open to two um, books. The first is 1 Kings chapter 2, where our text is. And then I want you to open to Ephesians and um, be there in chapter 4 or thereabouts, and uh, we'll walk through this. So here's the skinny of what took place in chapter 1. King David was elderly. His health was starting to deteriorate. He's losing his hair, losing, he's lost his hearing, he's lost his muscles, and he's probably lost a little bit of his memory. You know, like one guy said, getting old is not just aging, it's decomposing, really. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, los años. Just shake your head and say, los, los años, right? I mean, in fact, when you get up there in age, the only hope to ever look hot again is cremation. <laughs> well, in chapter one, that was King David's condition. He's decomposing. He's, he's dying. So seeing David's weakness, David's oldest living son, Adonijah, let's say his name out loud, Adonijah, he makes a grab for the throne. He sees his dad in a weak state. He makes a grab for the throne. And by the world's standards, since he is the oldest, he should be the successor to the throne. But the kingdom wasn't Adonijah's to take or even David's to give. The kingdom was God's. Callings, positions, 
and anointings are issued by God to whomever he wills. And God had already picked and named a successor for the kingdom. In fact, the book of Chronicles records David recounting the story to his youngest son, Solomon. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 7, listen what David told his son. My son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. But the Lord said to me, you have killed many men in the battles you have fought. And since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build the temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies in all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will secure his throne and the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So God revealed his choice as successor to David, and David, long before he was sick, revealed it to his son and his administration. But Adonijah, say his name again, But Adonijah was livid after hearing that. I mean, he was hissing like a $5 pressure cooker. So as soon as David was weak, Adonijah decided to take the kingdom by force. And he had plenty of influential help. Joab, David's general, sided with Adonijah. Abiathar, which was a popular priest, sided with David. Adonijah rebelled against David and against God. He attempted to thwart the will of God, to steal Solomon's position, to steal Solomon's blessing. Solomon was timid and passive and complacent about what was happening. And so David tells him, be strong and man up. Can we say that out loud? Be strong and man up. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell him that. Be strong and man up. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. That's the portion I'm going to read. I go the way, David says, of all the earth. Read that last part with me. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. David was telling Solomon that he needed to step up into the calling that God had gave him, to be the man that God called him to be. Listen, if you don't fulfill the position God gave you, the wrong person will. I'm going to say it again. If you don't fill the position God gave you, the wrong person will. Just ask Adam. Adam was appointed and anointed by God to be the man. Everybody say it out loud. The what? The man. The leader. But he was passive and complacent when it mattered most. The result was catastrophic. And after the screw up, Adam hid. 
God called out to Adam and said, where are you? God's question, guys, wasn't geographical. God knew where Adam was. The question was spiritual and positional. Where are you? God was saying, you are far from where I appointed you to be. Unfortunately, there are a lot of men who are hiding, allowing a ruthless enemy and wicked culture to hijack their leadership. God is calling out to this generation, and he's saying, where are you? He's saying, it's time to man up. Everybody say it out loud. What? It's time to man up. Okay. So what does it mean to man up? The measure of a man is not determined by muscles or machismo-ism, right? <laughs> the measure of a man is not determined by the size of his, of his, of his truck, all right? The measure of a man is determined by faith and courage and responsibility and character. I'm going to say it again. The measure of a man is determined by faith, courage, responsibility, and character. Look at your neighbor and say, he's got it. Now, how can we be the men that God called and intended us to be? When David told Solomon to man up, David was referring to something. He was referring to God's standard. Let's say it out loud. To what? To God's standard. Before Solomon's reign, God gave instructions of how Solomon could be the man God intended him to be. He gave him instructions on how to be that. The instructions are found in Deuteronomy chapter 17, and they include four things. I'm not going to read the passage, but they include four things. He told Solomon in advance, be careful with broncos, that's horses, be careful with babes, that's women, and be careful with bucks, that's money. In other words, don't feed your pride, your lust, and your greed. And the fourth thing he says is prioritize the word of God. Read it. Write it. Apply it. Interesting. Man up. Put off the bad things and put on the good things. Well, God has given us New Testament men instructions on how to be the man that God intended us to be. So look at your neighbor and say, fasten your seatbelt. Where can we find it? One place is the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians lays it, lays it out so easy that even a caveman could understand it. So look at your neighbor and tell him there's hope for you. 
The instructions start in chapter 4. It, says, it starts by saying, man up by setting priorities. Listen, learn, and apply the teachings of God's word. That's the first thing. In fact, here it is, chapter 4, Ephesians, look at verse 11. And the Lord himself gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. Everybody read this portion out if you've got, got it open. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hearing the word of God regularly will ignite knowledge and faith and courage and righteousness. So read your Bible. Go to church. Get involved. Listen to and learn, apply and practice so that you can measure up to the fullness of Christ Jesus, who happens to be the perfect model of a man. That's the first one. Look at your neighbor and say, get your priorities right. <laughs> Next, we find in Ephesians, to be the man God intended us to be. He said, don't just prioritize God. But he also says that we're instructed to man up and make changes. Look at your neighbor and say, make changes. Now, each of us men have different personalities, but we all have the same proclivities, the same inclinations. Our sinful nature as men is prepackaged with lust, pride, self-sufficiency, ego, stubbornness, and insensitivity. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Our sinful nature is prepackaged with lust, pride, self-sufficiency, ego, stubbornness, and insensitivity. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell him, he just described you to a T. So to be the man God intended us to be, we have to make some changes. What kind of changes? Well, first, here we find in Ephesians, we must put off habitual and secret sin. Look at verse 22 of chapter 4. It says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so here's what God said. To be the man I intended you to be, one, you have to prioritize me and my word. Learn it, read it, practice it. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. But then the next thing is, we also need to make some changes. We need to put away from us or cut off habitual 
and secret sin. Lingering sinful habits will cripple your manhood, whether it's alcohol or drugs or gambling or lying. The guilt of those things create, uh, really create a, 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 a sense of guilt that marginalizes you, keep you inactive and unproductive and unfruitful. I was talking to an individual just the other day, a man who has had every opportunity to get involved in a variety of different things in the church to grow and become all that God intended him to be. But he's been on the fringes for so long until recently when he came up and he said, the reason I was on the fringes is because I had secret sin in my life. I was doing those things and practicing those things and they condemned me day after day. And so every time I wanted to step up and go a little further and a little deeper, the hypocrisy, the feeling of that, it kept him from being the man that God intended him to be. It kept him inactive, unproductive, and unfruitful. If we're to be or if you're to be the man God intended you to be, those secret sins need to be acknowledged they need to be addressed, and they need to be abandoned. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says this, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's a good place to cheer right there, right? All right, here's the next instruction. In order to be the man that God intended us to be, we need to change by manning up and controlling our anger. Say it out loud. To do what? Controlling Jump down to verse 26 there in Ephesians. It says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sin go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, did you catch it? Be angry, but do not sin. Say it with me. Be angry, but do not sin. Men need to have some grit, some bone, and gristle to them. Right? Be angry. You need to have some bone and some grit. In fact, turn around and show someone your fangs. Ah. I mean, Jesus had some grit. Jesus got hot about injustice and abuse and deception. I mean, he cracked the whip without sinning. But some of you are just short-fused and highly combustible. The smallest thing sets you off, and everybody knows it. Your wife knows it. The neighbors know it. Your co-workers know it. The morning commuters know it. The drive through attendant at Taco Bell knows it. <laughs> Calmate. Look at your neighbor and tell them that out loud. Calmate. <laughs> and if you're bilingually challenged, just tell them, cool it. <laughs> Calm down. Because your anger is maligning 
your manhood. It makes you unpredictable, unreliable, unapproachable, and undesirable. You can just say, ouch. Uncontrollable anger, rage, bitterness, vengeance, unforgiveness are not features of the man God intended. James said it like this in James chapter 1 and verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I want to read it again. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11 says, A fool, everybody say it out loud, a what? A fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man, a what? A wise man keeps himself under control. Wow. All right, so we need to make some changes. We need to deal with secret sin or habitual sin. We need to control our anger. Are you ready for the next one? That's like three people, three guys. Are you ready for the next one? Here's the next instruction to be the man that we need to be, that God intended us to be. We need to stop being stubborn. I knew that would light a fire. (laughs) Let's say it out loud. Stop being stubborn. We need to listen to and walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit. Joe just told us about the whole fact of the Holy Spirit is available to us, but we need to stop, listen, and follow the working and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse 30 there in Ephesians 4. And it says... And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Everybody said, do not grieve. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now listen, as men, we tend to be self-sufficient. We don't need directions. We won't read instructions. And we avoid advice. That's why We're so much like thumbtacks, and we only go as far as our heads let us. (laughs) But when it comes to being a godly man, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us further into truth and help us become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit coaches us and convinces us, instructs us. He inspires, he comforts, and he convicts. He advises us in a variety of ways. And we're told not to grieve him. The word grieve means to cause distress or to frustrate. Don't be cabezudo. Look at your neighbor and say that out loud. Don't don't be cabezudo. Don't be a knucklehead. Don't make the Holy Spirit do a face palm. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something to make the Holy Spirit go, oh? Huh? Listen, Proverbs 21, verse 1 says this. 
It says, don't get stuck on stupid. No, no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> but it's close. Proverbs 21.1. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Wow. It would serve you, it would serve all of us, to listen and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You ready for the next one? Got to make some changes. Here's the next one. To be the man that God intended us to be, cut out lust. Say it out loud. Cut out lust. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be even named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Listen up, men. Pornography, adultery, promiscuity, pedophilia, homosexuality, gender fluidity is trying to hijack manhood, twisting men into something that God detests, abhors, and hates. I'm going to say it again. Pornography, adultery, promiscuity, pedophilia, homosexuality, gender fluidity, is trying to hijack manhood, twisting men into something that God detests, that God abhors, and God hates. Lust and sexual sin have been Satan's most effective lures because it stirs and stimulates. But in the end, it only imprisons and enslaves. Lust crippled Samson, sidelined David, and sank Solomon. Don't compromise with sexual sin. Put it away from you. Fight its seduction. Reject its temptation. Run from its advancements like, you know, Joseph did. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, run, Forrest, run! You don't have to open the link. You don't have to stay on the page. Close your mouth and run. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Everybody say flee. Okay. Ready for the next one? We're shaping men here. Not I, but the Lord in his word. Man up. Here's the next one. Man up and give attention to your family. Specifically, your wife and your children. Toggle down to verse 25 of chapter 5. Here's what it says. Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So here we have some pretty cool stuff. All right, I got to make some changes to be the man God intended to me. I need to deal with my secret sin and, you know, habitual sin. I, I, I need to, you know, stop being stubborn. I, I need to control my anger. I need to deal or cut away lust. And now he also says, you need to focus or give attention to your family, specifically your wife and your children. Love your wives as Christ also loved the church. I could spend an hour elaborating on the theological application of this verse. I could say, love your wives unconditionally, sacrificially, romantically, faithfully. I could take all of those words and we could unfold them. But I think I'll just give you the love your wives for dummies version. Is that okay? Love your wife, value her, appreciate her, give her attention, nourish and cherish her. Value her, appreciate her, give her attention, nourish and cherish her. You know, one exasperated wife told me, the number one problem in our marriage isn't lust. It's the TV. It has all of his attention. That woman was crying out for love, for attention, for appreciation, for value, for worth. There's a story about a couple who went to a therapist. They sat there and they went back and forth for quite a Quite a while, when the therapist got up, walked over to the, to the wife, pulled her up out of the chair, and gave her a long, passionate kiss that just took her breath away. She, in fact, just fell back into the, the chair where she was. He looked over at the husband and he says, Sir, that's all your wife needs three times a week. Are you up for it? And he said, Well... I can bring her on Monday and Wednesdays, but Friday I golf. <laughs> now we laugh. But how many of our wives need that watering, need that love, need that affection? How many of our wives need exactly that? The last thing he said when he talked about focusing or giving attention to your family was coach your kids. Coach. Everybody say it. What? Coach. Train. Teach. It's coaching. Take time to explain. Take time to exemplify. I know it's time consuming sometimes. But listen. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, 
men were commanded to pass their faith on to the next generation. That happens in the course of day-to-day life. It happens in the course of day-to-day living. We need to pass on. We need to mentor and model. Say it out loud. What? Mentor and model. Because if we don't fill the calling and the position that God gave us, someone else will. And believe me, those someone else's will fill your kids' heads with critical race theory, gender neutrality, relative morality, with a bunch of junk and trash that will totally twist our kids and turn them away from the God who created them. We're responsible. Look at the clock, because I left out one specific one. I wasn't sure I'd have enough time, but I want to make sure and offend everybody today. <laughs> I wasn't sure I'd have enough time, but since I do, chapter 4, verse 28 says, Stop stealing and sponging and get a job. We want to be the men that God called us to be, that God intended. We need to work to support our families. Listen, a job provides more than a paycheck. It provides self-respect, confidence, responsibility, accountability, and a sense of accomplishment. It provides security. Did you know God gave... Adam, a job right out of the gate? It's part of manhood. So, to be the man that God intended us to be, men set priorities. They love and serve God. Men put off habitual and secret sin. Men control their anger. Men listen and are led by the Holy Spirit. Men cut out lust and sexual sin. Men give attention to their families. And I'll close with this final verse from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He said, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you have been engaged in secret or habitual sin, you've let your anger run, run, run rage and, and run right over you. You've been stubborn. You've been engaged with lust or sexual sin. Or maybe you've been falling, failing, I should say, in loving your wife and coaching your children. This is the place before God to admit it and to quit it, to repent and start anew. So if that is what's happening in your life, forget ego. Forget about what anybody else thinks. I want you to stand to your feet right now if that's what you're dealing with 
You need to confess it and get it out of your life. Any one of those, go ahead, stand up right now where you're at. Let's confess before God. Just bow your head. The Lord knows. He's been waiting for you to come clean. He's been waiting for you to address, to admit it, and to abandon that. Father, right now as we stand before you, men who desire to be the men you intended us to be, these things in our lives, the lust, the sins, the secret sin, the stubbornness, the anger has been maligning our manhood. Not giving the proper attention to our family has stolen from us. Television, hobbies. Lord, we come clean before you right now. We repent. We ask, Lord, that you cleanse us and that your spirit descend and infill us and empower us to be the men that we need to be, that we should be, that you intended us to be. We thank you for the deliverance right now from those things as we lay them before your feet. And we do what the final chapter says in Ephesians. We put on the whole armor of God and we will stand and fight against all of those things and the devil and every one of his minions to accomplish the calling that you've given us to be men of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.